This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? Hey, hey. It's popping. <laughs> Don't mind me. Just watch. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. Couldn't help myself. What's going on, man? Oh, uh, finals. Getting there, doing it. Putting in the work. You know how it is. I get it. I wrote one of my three paper, or I guess I did, I did two assignments that were due this week. I wrote one paper. It was originally supposed to be like six pages. It ended up being like 10. Of course it did. Um, so I don't know. Huh? I've been there. Yeah. I emailed the prof to see if it's going to be a problem. But I mean, cause you know, the hardest part is editing it out. Um, what, so, what parts are the essential pieces that you need to keep? Well, and this was a weird paper. It's the weird one I was telling you about. Yeah. So it's like, it's, I don't, I, I, it's not a paper like that where I can go, what, what do I keep and what do I not? I'm like telling, it's all a, essential. I'm telling a story. So it, just one of those weird things. So wrote that today, did another assignment, actually finished a, a whole class today. Good. So like I've, I've ended the requirements for one class. Um, I actually did the same today. I finished all the requirements for a class. Yeah. So, so I've got to, I've got to do some more stuff tonight after we finish filming, but, uh, Me too, actually. And then I've got to write um, another paper this week. I've got an oral final on Zoom um, on Friday, and then I have another final on Tuesday. Nice. Yep. Getting there. Yep. Oh, so close, man. I can, I can like feel it. <laughs> yeah, you got quite a bit longer than I do. You got. Yeah. I mean, I'm done. Basically, this week, I have one final on Tuesday, but I'm essentially done this week, and you got two more weeks left. Let's say let's after see, that. We're two weeks ahead on filming, right? Um, yeah, so this so will... This I'm episode not sure when this probably, is going to go out. This episode might be going out... The week. I, I think when this episode goes out, you're still... You're going to be have one be, more week left. Yeah, I will be gearing up for finals. Yeah. Um, so... So close, so close. Um, <clears throat> but one of my favorite topics to talk about in the entire world, mm. and ask almost anybody, they will tell you that I love talking about the Enneagram. Yep. Um, I'm a personality nerd. I'm a like a, a, a psychology nerd, right? Like I'm I'm into this stuff, and I won't ever forget the day that. I was first introduced to the Enneagram. Hmm. Um, I was in a small group um, with this church that I was in, and they were going through the road back to you, which you actually have in your hand. Yep, great book. Um, and they were like telling me about the Enneagram, and they were like, what number are you? And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. And so they told me to buy the book. I bought, I bought the book. I bought the road back to you. I read it. And oh my gosh, like at times you feel attacked because it's so accurate, but at times it's like extremely uplifting and gives you positive, gives you a positive idea of how to 
improve yourself, right? Um, yeah, I didn't get that feeling. Uh, when I read The Road Back to You, um, I didn't feel attacked or uplifted. I felt like they were reading my mail mm. in which I had some of those feelings because... They were reading your mail. Yeah, they were reading my mail. It's not yeah. like It's not like it was... Oh, hey, they're attacking this part of the character and right. uplifting this part. It was, hey, they got me down to a yeah. point, and because they got me, it like, yeah, some of this actually hits pretty deep and yeah. is digging up some old roots that I didn't know were there and stepping on your toes a little bit. And yeah, well, and I think that's the thing I love about the Enneagram is it's not designed for you and I to sit here. And have this conversation and see someone else or have someone else in the conversation with us challenge us on something and go, oh, you're such an eight. Yeah. Like it, it's not designed for us to type one another. Oh, you're such a Scorpio. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's not designed for yeah. that. It's designed for you to better learn yourself. Yeah. This book is called The Road Back to You, but the subtitle is An Enneagram Journey to self discovery. It's, it's for you to better know you and first and foremost, why you do some of the things that you do. Yeah. And number two, to help keep better tabs on yourself so that you can have a good read on where you are in your journey of self discovery and self care. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to this in a little bit. Um, but, uh, I recently had one of those moments where I realized that because I had read the road back to you and I am so familiar with the Enneagram, I realized I was getting to an unhealthy place and I knew what I needed to do to fix it. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's just jump in with the one. Uh, okay. So I have a story about this. Um, and this kind of goes into don't let people type you. Yeah. Don't let people project a type onto you. Um, because it's quite hindering. So, um, I was attending the same church that you were when they were going through the Enneagram studies in the small groups. And I happened to be not in a small group, but in another group um, that was like a training group. And they had all taken the Enneagram because they were in small groups. And I hadn't been in the small group during the Enneagram thing. And so I didn't know what the Enneagram was. I hadn't heard of it before. And... I had said something in there and someone in the group typed me Mm. and actually now thinking back on what I said and the way they typed me, I was like, actually, I'm not sure that you fully understand the Enneagram because the comment that I made, we were, we were in a communicators group. I was learning how to be a better storyteller with some of the staff and, and other leaders there. And so we were telling our story as an exercise in storytelling. And one of the things that I said was, um, through my first degree, my first two degrees, I had a 4.0 GPA. Like, and it wasn't in a way to brag. It was a way to reveal a piece of myself that no one else would know because you don't go around spouting off your GPA. Well, when I said that, the person, there was a person in the group that goes, oh, you're such a one. I was like, what do you mean a one? Mm -hmm. This is like at the end of the story as we're like debriefing the story. 
And he goes, oh, like an Enneagram one. And I was like, huh, I don't know what that is. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, doing it in church, whatever. So we go through. And so, like, when I went and took the tests, I did the test based on the action that I do, not why I do them. And so I got typed as a one. Yeah. Um, because I didn't understand the Enneagram fully. And he typed me. And so I was like, oh, okay, must right. well, I must be a one. But actually, if you really learn the one, having a 4.0 GPA actually doesn't make you a one at all. No, not necessarily. It, it could. I mean, you could be a one and have a 4.0 GPA, but actually it's pretty indicative of another type, the performer, yeah. the three, which is what I actually am. Yeah. So it, it does go in. Don't let people type you. This is not that kind of personality tool. It's not Myers-Briggs. No, It's supposed not. to tell you how to communicate with an organization. Yeah. Like, it's not that. It's not a DISC assessment. It's not a DISC assessment that tells you how you function within an organization or how you want to receive communication or you need to give communication yeah. or what your strengths are. It's not strength finders. No. It, it's not those. It is a tool for you to understand yourself. Yeah, and also can be used to help you understand other people as well. It can, yeah, yeah, but it's never supposed to be used for you to type someone else. Ew. If if you know their type, you can pick up on some things, right? So, like, I know Clayton's a six, and so I know that if he's in a very unhealthy place, he's overworking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, I know that, but it, I should never just walk up to someone and go, oh, they're working really hard. They must be a three. Right, because ones and eights can also function at a very high level, but it doesn't make them threes. And like you just said, somebody that's a hard worker could also just be a six that's in a really unhealthy place too. Yeah, right. Very, yeah, they're passive integration or and disintegration, and it's be nine to three. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh, a nine. Yeah, a, a healthy nine, nine would, would function, function as, as a three. Right. Yeah. Um. So. That's actually something we need to talk about is integration, disintegration, or safety and stress. Um, well, uh, stress and security. Stress and security, that's or right. Or integration, disintegration. So something that you're going to find within different resources for the Enneagram is that it, it can be different in places, right? Not wrong. Um, but some people are going to phrase things differently than other people would. Yeah, they're going to use different wording. So um, the kind of like textbook for the Enneagram is a book called The Wisdom of the Enneagram. And it's a big blue book with the Enneagram symbol on the front of it if you're looking for it. And it's like the textbook for the Enneagram. And it uses stress, like paths of stress and paths of security. Or, sorry, it uses paths of integration or disintegration, whereas some of the more popular level books don't like that verbiage, and yeah. so they use security and stress yeah. uh, in place of those. So you do kind of have to know the verbiage and the bigger picture around the Enneagram to know. That's why I really think that The Road Back to use a great starting place. It is. Um, because it uses that popular level language. And explains it really well. And Ian Morgan and Suzanne Stable are, they're just great storytellers. They are. That book is, 
seriously super engaging. Yeah, it is. It's an easy read. It's laid out well. You can take it in bite-sized chunks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I feel like you get a better understanding of yourself reading the book rather than if you were going to go take one of the tests online. No, I, I think I agree. Um, the tests online, the, so first of all, if you want to go take the test, um, it's the it's Eclectic Energies. Yeah, um, That's probably the best one to use. It's the best free one. Um, the Enneagram Institute is also a great resource. Um, I like to use theirs as people get deeper into the Enneagram mm-hmm. to use it in relationships. Yeah. So like when I do premarital counseling, I make everybody go take the Enneagram and use the Enneagram Institute and the relationship category about how you work together and function together. Yeah. Because uh, I do think it's helpful for that. But let's jump right in and start talking about these types. So so the Enneagram Institute talks about type one as the reformer. I know Ian talks about it as the perfectionist, right? The perfectionist, yep. Um, so they, t- they type the one as the rational idealistic type. Principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionist. Okay. Um, pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah, um, I think so. Just the, the type that gets stuff done, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so they can, they can function at a really high level. Um, they are very black and white people. Generally, that's pretty true. Um, they don't see a lot of gray in issues. Things are good, bad, right, and wrong. Yeah. Um, and they really live to make the world a better place. It's, uh, they're very ethical. They're dedicated. They're reliable. Um, they are, they're going to be that person that's there when you need them. Yeah. Um, and their goal in life is to make the world a better place. They want to leave the world in a better place than when they got here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what does Ian say the one is? She says it's the perfectionist. They're ethical, dedicated, and reliable, motivated by a desire to live the right way, improve the world, and avoid fault and blame. Mm. And so this won't mean much right now, but for a one, their path of integration or security would be a four. And their path of disintegration or stress would be a seven. So I'm going to do that for each one as we go through, because I do think it's helpful as we go through them. Yeah. You can go back to this and go, oh, well, or if you already know your type, you're like, oh, hey, well, this gives me better clarity on where I am when I'm stressed or when I'm in a, in a healthy place. Yeah. Um, definitely pick up uh, Ian's book, though, and read it. It'll, it'll road back to you for sure. It, it will it'll help Because you could, you could have that thing. I was recently in a class where we had to talk about the Enneagram and it's, you know, pastoral class. And it was like overwhelming the number of ones and twos that were there. And I couldn't help but think like, guys, you really don't know the Enneagram because it's not what you do. It's why you do it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. If you take those tests, they test you on what you do not as much on why you do them. Right. So that's why they can be misleading. They, it, they definitely can be. Um, and also something you need to know is that, so on either side of whatever your type is, your your number type is, you can have a wing. 
Yeah. And, and what a wing is. So like for the one, the one can have a nine wing or a two wing. Yep. Um, and speaking of the two, these are the caring interpersonal type, demonstrative, generous, people pleasing and possessive. Um, all very true things. Um, yeah, I think the key thing for a two, because like we said, we can have a one wing two or a three wing two. Yeah. Both people are very high achieving ones and threes. And so they can act like a two because they have a wing and they can, and because they're high functioning, they can manifest themselves as a predominant two. But the, the real key is why you do it. Why yeah. do you have the need to serve? Why do you need, why do you feel the need to be there for everyone yeah. as a two? It's because you think that's the only way they will love you. Yeah. If you're not needed, you're not loved. Yeah. And so you make yourself needed. Yeah. So that's the telling thing about a two. And especially in the Christian world, that's what I want to be careful of. Everybody wants to be a servant. Yeah. Which is really what the two is. Right. I mean, the road back to you calls them the helper. Yeah. Warm, caring, and giving motivated by a need to be loved and needed and to avoid acknowledging their own needs. Yeah. So like they're a servant through and through. And Absolutely. so in the Christian world, we all want to be servants because we see Jesus, the servant, you know, we're called to service, all those types of things, but it's not what you do. It's why you do it. Yeah. So in one of the earlier episodes, when we were going through spiritual pathways, we talked about the caregiver. Mm -hmm. um, yep. We also briefly talked about the two on the Enneagram. Well, it's just such a one-to-one -one relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Sacred pathways and the Enneagram are not always going to be a one-to-one. -one, no. But sometimes they just really are. And the the caregiver and the helper, the the two, um, that that that's it. Right. Um, so if you want a little bit more explanation on the two go back and listen to that episode because you might actually get a little bit more of a uh, in-depth idea. We're also going to talk about the two in a couple weeks, but um, yeah, I would suggest you go back and listen to that episode as well. So three, the Enneagram Institute calls it the achiever. Um, I actually, Interesting. I actually prefer that to Ian's, um, which is the performer, right? Yeah, um, I think Ian is doing something a little different there, but we'll yeah. see. Uh, give me the definition of the three. The success-oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, excelling, driven, and image conscious. Yeah, so notice there that for the Enneagram Institute, image conscious is the last thing they say. For Ian, it's one of the first things he says. Yeah. So I, I'm an Enneagram three. Um and Ian calls it the performer. Right. And it's because they are image conscious, not in a way that like they need to be dressed to the nines all the time. Right. But their appearance, their image needs to be 100% representative of the image they're trying to project. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, whatever room they step into they feel a need to adapt themselves to fit that room and what they think people in that room need from them or want from them. Yeah. And so they quote unquote perform in that way. The, these are your chameleons. 
right? If you have that friend that seemingly gets along with everybody, yeah, um, and whatever room they're in, whatever people they're around, they can just flip a switch and immediately start meeting that need or whatever. Yeah, right. And they're also well. That could also be a seven. It could so, also be a seven. Um, it's not totally one to one, but the uh, the other big thing about a three is that they function at an extremely high level, yeah. potentially unhealthy level. Yeah. What Ian says is the type three is the performer, success oriented, image conscious, and wired for productivity, motivated motivated by a need to be or appear to be successful and to avoid failure mm. and so like that's that's who the three is through and through yeah no i think that's true i think that's true so on to the four mm-hmm. um we know and love a four. Oh yeah um so the enneagram institute calls them the individualist um i don't know i don't remember what ian calls the fours um Calls them the romantic. Oh, the romantic. That's yeah. right. Um, so the sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. Yeah. That's really harsh. Yeah, so we talked about it off camera. That's a really <laughs> harsh way to talk about the fours. Um, fours are wonderful people. Yeah, like. I like I like Ian's definition much better. Yeah, I do The too. creative, sensitive, and moody. They are motivated by a need to be understood, experience their oversized feelings, and avoid being ordinary. Yeah. I will tell you the the four that we know, that's totally true. Yeah. They they have a perpetual need to be understood. They can be talking and constantly go, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you'll hear that a million times when you're talking to this person. And they also spend an exuberant amount of time trying to be different than everybody else. <laughs> Which, honestly, is a good thing. Oh, like, yeah. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's, it's who they are. Yeah. Um, and so if that's you... These are the people that add spice to, to life. Oh, yeah. they And, and that's the thing. Oh, I, I totally forgot I was going to do integration and disintegrations with each one. Oh, yeah. But a four... Their path of um, integration is a two. Yeah. And their disintegration is a one. How does that work? Yeah. Really? Yep. So because of that, they, they have two really good characteristics on either side of their integration or disintegration. And because they're a four, they can be a five wing or a three wing. So they can be high functioning or they can be investigative and knowledgeable. And also we'll talk about it when we get to the five, but that, that also means that they can withdraw, right? They can, well, fours do that anyways. Right. They do. They, they need to be in their fields. They need to get. Yeah, but what I mean by it, because with a five, it's almost like you have, because I, I have a wing five. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And so with with the five, it's it's almost like you have a, a social battery life. Yeah. Um, and for some, some fives more than others, it drains pretty fast. Yeah. Fives are definitely stereotypically introverts. Yeah. Um, 
So, fours are great people. We're not we're not bashing fours. No, not at all. Um, then we have the five, the investigator. Yeah. Uh, so they use the same word on that. They one. do. They they have on most of them. They changed um, the achiever and uh, the reformer. So the one and the, the, one the three. And the three. Um, but did they call the two the the helper? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the investigator. Well, and they changed the four. Oh, that's right. So the, the two's the, the only one they've got the same. <laughs> okay, never mind. The two and the five. I mean, six, seven, and nine are the same. But um, so the investigator, the intense cerebral type, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Hmm, that's a very different description of the five than Ian and Suzanne give. Yeah, but I think it's accurate. I'm not saying it's not. Um, it again. We've established the two yeah. different things, right? Yeah. We're doing two different two, things here. Two different perspectives here. But what Ian and Suzanne say is that it's the investigator, analytical, detached, and private, motivated by a need to gain knowledge, conserve energy, and avoid relying on others. Yeah. Very independent, very focused on knowledge, very private, could gladly keep to themselves. Yeah. Like, that's just two of five is. Again, fives are beautiful people. Yep. Right. Um, I don't know a whole lot of fives, to be honest with you. I think I've met one in my entire life. I think I've met one five. I think I know. I definitely know at least one. Yeah. Uh, we may be talking about the same person. Possibly. Um, uh, but it's also hard because their path of integration or their security number is a seven. Yeah. And their disintegration is an eight. Yeah. And so um, a five can very much so not look like a five at all because a seven is very extroverted, like outgoing, wants to be around people. Out of curiosity, it, it's showing stress and security numbers right there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I just I wouldn't have ever seen that. Yeah, it's it's the diagram, man. So it's showing you right there, though? Okay. Okay, good. Because I was like, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I So for some reason, I thought it went by like in increments of three. Right. Um, no. I guess not, but I thought it did for yeah, some reason. Even, even the triads. The so, triads are the ones that go in developments right. of three. Yeah. Which Ian, I think, is one of the few that talks about the triads. So um, the three tries, we'll have to talk about those later. We but, will, but um, um, anyways, so the loyalist, that's me. Yeah, you're a six. Oh, we are wonderful people too, no matter what anyone else might tell you. <laughs> um, so the Enneagram Institute, and as a three, or as a six, um, I have to say it's accurate. Um and they're a bit nicer to us than I feel like Ian is, honestly. Maybe so. Um, they say the committed security-oriented security type, excuse me, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. These are the people that um, are extremely... Um, these are your preppers, I think is a good way to say it. Um, these are the people mm -hmm. that are expecting the worst. Yeah. Um, so 
for years, um, I have quoted George Lopez, like before I even knew about the the uh, the Enneagram. So George Lopez, you remember the old Nick and Night TV show? His mom said, um, if you expect a dog to bite you, you'll be happy if he poops on your shoes. <laughs> yeah. I have quoted that for years, and then whenever I figured out that I'm a six, I was like, oh, this makes sense. It makes so yeah. much more sense now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These are the people that expect the worst. Yeah, so uh, The Road Back to You talks about them as committed, practical, and witty. They are worst-case scenario thinkers who are motivated by fear and the need for security. Yeah, um, definitely the need for security. Yeah. yeah and so the six... Sure. Um, Three, six, nine end up as integration and disintegration partners. Yeah. So at any given state, you and I can function the exact same way, but we're very different in our personalities. Yeah. And how, and, and the reason, and the reason why. Yep. Right. You work at an unhealthy level because that's just what you do. I need to perform. I need to achieve. Yep. I do it. Because I feel like I need security. Yeah. Right? Uh, at least that's how it work, How it ends up working for yeah. me. I know that down the way, if I don't do the things that I need to do, I'm not going to be successful. I'm not going to uh, have my security. Which is totally, it totally makes sense why your path of stress would be a three. Yeah. Because that means like bust your but yeah, to working, get where you're working going. harder to create that security for myself. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Right. Is that I was working at an unhealthy level, um, staying up till wee hours of the morning, every night working, Yep. doing homework, doing well house stuff, um, doing your day job stuff, doing my day job stuff just because I, I needed, I felt like I needed to work. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's so helpful because whenever I realized I was doing that, it's like, Oh, Hey, I need to take a break. Note to self. I need some, I need some self care time. Yeah. Yeah. And so coming off the Thansgiving holiday, I took basically the whole week. I mean, I did a little bit of work here and there, but I took basically the whole week and I feel great now. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm back in my integration, my nine. Yeah. Right. Um, so moving on, these are, these are the fun people. If you've ever hung out with a seven, yeah, <laughs> these are the people you want to invite to your parties. These are the people that are the life of your party. Yeah, th- that's why you want. You them. have a yeah. crappy party if you don't have a seven at it. Absolutely. Um, or apparently a, a, a healthy five. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the enthusiast, the busy, fun-loving type, spontaneous, versatile distractible and scattered. Yeah. Um, so I, I was going to say this before. I actually think there are two other um, Enneagram types that line up pretty accurately to pathways. I think the five lines up with the intellectual. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think the seven actually lines up with its like name, the enthusiast. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, And so... They, they are that life of the party person. Um, the Road Back to You talks about them as fun, spontaneous, and adventurous. They are motivated by a need to be happy. 
to plan stimulating experiences and to avoid pain. Yeah. Um, so like the six and the five, we're going to talk about this a little bit more at a later episode. Um, but they are a part of the fear triad, right? So the seven is motivated by, um, by belonging, right? By not feeling a part of a community in a sense, right? Um, well, they're vo- motivated by a need to be happy because yeah. they're running from fear. Right. Um, these are the, the, so these are the Chandler beings of the world. Yeah. So the way they talk about it is these numbers are driven by fear. Fives externalize it. Sixes internalize it. And sevens forget about it. Yeah. I think that's a great way to, to say it. Um, yeah. These are the people that use humor to mask pain. Yep. Um, Oh yeah, Chandler being is a yeah. great like way to talk about that. Yep. Yeah, I use humor as a, a defense mechanism. <laughs> I use humor as a defense mechanism. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good one. Um, but gen, just seriously, sevens are awesome people to have around. Just awesome people to have around, as yeah. well as twos. We did we forgot to say that earlier. If you have a two in your life, you're a lucky person. Well, I think um, I think all of them. They are all have great people. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I think the one that everybody's afraid to be is an eight. Um, nobody wants to be an eight because they're like, they're the challenger. Yeah. But actually, Ian tells a story about his daughter being an eight. And in this story, she's the flipping hero. Yeah. Like, I, I think they're all great. Absolutely. They're, it's not. It's not meant to be a tool to say like, "Oh, this is a bad number to have," or "This is like a good these number people to are have. better than these people." Right. That, yeah. That's it's not, not what that is. It's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is is for us to say, "Hey, there's different people in the world, and they're reacting out of different experiences that they've had in their adolescent, in their adolescence." And for our specific purposes at Well House, it's to say, "Hey, if you're this different as a person." Maybe your spiritual expression should be equally different. Yeah, um, I think that's I don't, fair. I don't think that it's fair for us to assume that a one should live their faith the same way that a four does. Oh no, because it would be fundamentally different. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, um, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, I think when I was saying these are great people to have around, I mean like these are the people that like get you out on the dance floor. Oh, they, right. yeah, they're absolutely that person. These are the people pouring shots, right? Like, Oh, yeah, they um, they are that person. They're, yeah. they're absolutely the dude that's the life of the party. Yeah. Or the girl. Yeah, right? absolutely. Not, not, I don't think it's dominated by men. It's I think the men only, and women. I think the only seven I've known was actually a chick, but... Um, so I definitely know a seven, and it's it's a guy. Um trying to think if i know oh i think i don't know i I don't think that's true i think i know two sevens um and yeah the other one's a dude but um, yeah anyways the challenger yep the eight the eight um it's the challenger in there too right okay oh okay so the powerful dominating type self-confident decisive sorry i'm having a hard time reading y'all 
willful and confrontational. Yeah, so that's that's the piece that's unique about the challenger, the confrontation. Yeah. Like they need the confrontation. And it doesn't have to be a violent confrontation. No. But they're going to be the person that has a voice for nobody else. Yeah. Um The road back to you says that they're commanding, intense and confrontational. They're motivated by a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. Yeah. That's the piece. They're a part of the anger or the gut triad. And the eights are the ones that externalize that. They That becomes very prevalent, very pronounced in them yeah. because it is them trying to... It's them trying to be strong and avoid feeling weak. Something happened in their life previously where they felt weak and vulnerable and they never wanted that to happen again. And so they manifested themselves as strong and sometimes domineering. So help me help me format this in a way that is not pejorative. Um Eights are the type that if you've ever been in a bar and there's some guy um, that's being really forward and hitting on this girl and borderline being inappropriate, the eight would be the person that would step in and start a fight with that guy. Well... Maybe not start a fight, but... um, Well, a one could be that as well. Okay. Um... Yeah, I think I don't think I don't think that's unique enough to the situation of an eight that um, we could really use that. Um, I think maybe a better one. I'm looking for it now, but um, I'm looking for that story that Ian has in here about his daughter. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, it's not Ian's daughter. It's Suzanne's daughter. Mm. Um, yeah, not Ian's daughter. It's Suzanne's daughter. And what what I was actually looking for is they do they do this thing in the book. Oh yeah, here it is. So some some famous eights. Uh, yeah, Muhammad Ali. Mm, yeah, and Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, he totally challenged something. But I'm going to read this excerpt here. This will give you an insight into just how good of storytellers they are, as well as kind of help define what an eight is. This is Ian writing. One of my favorite stories about eights as kids involves Suzanne's daughter, Joey. When Joey was five, Suzanne got a voicemail message from the head of the daycare center she attended. If you raise children, you know that a call like this means that your kid is either throwing up in the Lego bucket or is in need of some crucial item that you, woefully pathetic parent that you are, failed to send them to school with. It's also possible you have a serial biter who is not responding to ongoing positive guidance that morning and needs their muzzle. In any case, it means that you have to go face the principal. But Suzanne was surprised to discover that the problem wasn't any of these typical scenarios. She learned to her bewilderment that Joey had come that Joey had come in earlier in the week to schedule an appointment with Miss Thompson, the director of the daycare. 
Suzanne, as you can imagine, we've never had a five-year-old request a formal meeting, Miss Thompson explained. <laughs> My secretary wasn't sure what to do, so she went ahead and scheduled it. Why did she want to meet with you, Suzanne asked. Well, Joey walked into my office ahead of me and suggested that we take a seat. I did, but she didn't, so she was eye-level with me. She handed me a folder she'd been carrying under her arm and said, Thank you for meeting with me, Miss Thompson. I have a problem, and I tried talking to my teacher about it, but she wasn't much help. I understand that most kids need to take a nap, but I don't. So rather than being bored and made to lie down during the, that time, I have an idea. Miss Thompson then handed over Joey's folder containing all her papers all of which bore gold stars. Joey had brought the folder to Miss Thompson as Exhibit A to demonstrate her impeccable credentials and the genius of her plan. Since she didn't, since she didn't need a nap and her own papers were flawless, she should be permitted to help the teachers by checking papers during nap time. And I can do this for you for only $1.47 an hour, Joey said, straightening her back to bring herself to her full height. Suzanne, I can't pay her. It's against the law, said the director after she'd finished the story. So did you tell her no, Suzanne asked. The frown of disbelief on her face indicated that Miss Thompson had not even considered this possibility. Joey hadn't given her the impression it was an option. The point of the story is not to show that eights are bullies and Joey had a leg up on it. In fact, unless they're very unhealthy, eights are not characteristically bullies. Bullies act out of com act out to compensate and cover their own fears while eights aren't afraid of anyone because of their concern for justice and desire to instinctively protect and defend the disadvantaged eights are more likely to stand up to bullies it's to show how deep the wiring of the eights number runs joey was flexing her eightness even at the age of five that's a wonderful story it is a wonderful story, and it, it shows you who an eight is. An eight's not this really unhealthy, domineering, like, bully person. No. It's just a person that stands up and is not afraid of confrontation. Yeah. They advocate for themselves a lot. Well, uh, and, and others. others. Yeah. yeah. They, like they talk about there at the end, like, mm -hmm. they will gladly step up and and be against a bully. Yeah. For sure. So we are, this episode is almost 45. Well, we're covering long. a huge topic. Yeah. So we're, we're going to move forward. Yeah. Um, to the peacemaker. Yeah. So that's the number nine. These, um, these are good people. Like I, I've said that about almost all of them, but, um, the, the peacemaker, this, these are the easygoing self facing type receptive reassuring agreeable and complacent yep. um these are the 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 these are your beach people <laughs> like plucking a, a a ukulele laying on the beach sipping a mai tai like could also be your hippies but yeah man all's well Peace, love, happiness, you know, yeah. like just whatever, not a care in the world. Yeah. The road back to you says they're pleasant, laid back, and accommodating, motivated by a need to keep the peace, merge with others, and avoid conflict. Yeah. This, Bob Marley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great comparison. Um, yeah. So the point 
we spent a long time, 45 minutes or so, talking to you about the Enneagram. And the whole purpose is because we're fixing to start a series going through the Enneagram as it relates to someone's spirituality. Yeah. We're going to be looking at a few different books. And I think it's a great time to do it because there's a publisher who I really love in IVP, InterVarsity Press, who's just come out with a series and is in the middle of coming out with it. I think every week they're launching new books. But it's 40 days on being, or 40 reflections on being an Enneagram blank. Like, yeah. So our friend and my mentor, Sean Palmer, wrote 40 days on being an Enneagram 3. Um, they're, but they're doing them for all the numbers. And so we have those resources we can point you to. There's a great book called Sacred Enneagram. That's a good one. That we're going to keep referring back to. There are any number of these where we've seen people now exploring this idea that personality should affect spirituality. Yeah. And that's what we want to do here. We want you to know that you're a unique person, uniquely made in the image and likeness of God, and that there's a very specific way in which you are most likely better suited to experience God than simply reading your Bible and doing spontaneous prayers. Yeah. There are other ways in which God can manifest himself in your life. If we get you to a place where you better know yourself. I think that, I think that's fair. Um, and if, if you already know what your Enneagram number is, or if you're now starting to suspect, cause you've never heard of the Enneagram before. And we just went through all this, whatever your number is, Embrace it, right? Yeah, don't be afraid of your number. No, embrace it. Learn your your integration, your disintegration, your your stress and security, right? Figure out when you're healthy and learn when you're not healthy. Yep. And when you're not healthy, take the steps that you need to become healthy. Yeah. And that can also impact your spirituality as well. Mm. So... Just, just be aware of that. Take the steps, guys. <laughs>